Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the members here at North Campus. And before I say anything else, the kids can leave for Sunday school, or kid men, if you'd like to do that. Great to see everybody this morning. It's a beautiful day. So before we start uh, diving into the scriptures together, I'd like to pray for us and that God would bless our time together. So let's pray. Father, we praise you for this, uh, these wonderful songs that we've been able to sing, songs of truths about um, how we are yours and, and we stand in your grace. We praise you for your word now as we look at it. We pray that it would continue this time of worship, that you would speak to us from um, your holy word, that you would give us insight into what we are to do about it. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak and that you would be clear and working as we go through. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's uh, read the passage together this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we are in John 17. So John 17, and we're going to go through 6 through 10. And if you're able, we're going to go ahead and all stand together. We like to stand together to read God's Word uh, because it is precious to us. So if you're able, you can stand and uh, we'll read together John 17, 6 through 10. This is part of Jesus' prayer in John 17. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me, out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You can be seated. So several weeks ago, I got a text from Pastor Dave, and he was, had some calendar dates for me, and he threw them by me and said, can you possibly preach on all these available days? So I sent him a text back, and I said, here's the days that I can do it. And he sent me a text quick and said, we're actually in preaching team meeting right now. You're on for October 17th. And so I sent him a quick text back, and I said, that sounds great. And then I thought, I just committed to something that I don't even know the passage. I committed one of the worst things you could do, you know, committing to someone, something, you know, without saying, you know, I, what I, I wanted to say yes to something that I didn't even know what it was. So, Dave texted me again and said that my passage is the one we just read, John 17, 6 through 10. And I'm glad I said yes to this because it's a great passage. But I thought, nice, you know, John 17, a great 
passage, it's Jesus praying, and uh, it's got so many good verses in it, great truths. So I opened my Bible, and I read the passage, 6 through 10, and after reading it, I, I have to confess, I thought, that's, that's it, that's it, that's the whole passage, I'm supposed to preach on just that? The, the section doesn't have any of the memorable parts of the prayer, at least for me, when I think about it, when I thought about it right away. The first part is a great passage. It's loaded. Jesus reveals that he is God. He, he prays that he would be glorified. He says that he's accomplished the work that God gave him to do. He, he says that eternal life is, you know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Great verse. And then I looked and I thought, you know, the rest of the passage after mine is also great. It has, it's, it has those specific prayer requests that he gives for his disciples. If you think about it, he pr- has this heart to pray for them, that they would be protected from the evil one as he sends them into the world, um, that they would be one, right? They may be one as we are in one. They'd be unified he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Great, great um, things to preach on. And I thought, but my part, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure I would choose that little section if, if I were to choose. So at first glance, my passage for today seemed a little simple and somewhat uninteresting. It wasn't until later after I studied and looked at it and prayed and realized the truths that it's actually loaded with good truths. It says a ton about who God is. It says a ton about the heart of Jesus. It says a lot about the identity of of the disciples. So when you read it through, it goes pretty quick, actually. It's describing the disciples just for a few verses. It's actually four sentences in the original language, and the language is pretty simple. It, has, it uses general words that are used hundreds of times in the New Testament. And as we read through, you probably noticed there's a lot of pronouns. There's a lot. You can get lost a little bit. Yours, mine, I, them. There's a ton of them. I tried to count, and there's like 40 of them in five verses. I'm like, wow. So it's, it's, a, little, it's, it's a little easy to get lost about who's speaking about who. Um, so when I was preparing, my mom asked me, hey, uh, what, what passage do you have? How can I pray for you? What are you speaking on? And so I grabbed uh, uh, my observation sheet that I write my observations on when I'm studying it and handed it to her, and it was just the, the passage for today. And she read it really quickly, and she's like, oh, I love John 17. But do you have another sheet with the rest of the passage? because I need my bearings here just a little bit. So with this passage, you really do have to understand a little bit what, what's gone before and what Jesus prays after, just to get an idea of the whole. So right now, we're in a series on John 17. This is Jesus' special prayer, and it, it's the heart of Jesus as he prays the actual words, his actual prayer right there in Scripture. And he does it, it's a lot, it's straight, for 26 verses. So Jesus is praying these words right there in front of his disciples, and most of it is praying for them. A lot of it is praying for them. And it's just hours before he's going to be arrested and then crucified on the cross. 
So the, the actual prayer itself could be divided into three sections. So the first section is what Dave talked about last week, verses 1 through 5, and that's Jesus' prayer for himself. And then there's 6 through something like 19, 6 through 19, Jesus prays for his disciples. That's the second section of his prayer. And then the rest of it, verses 20 through the end, he's praying for, basically praying for the church, all believers. So our section is the first part of the second section, Jesus praying for his disciples. And what you pray for is really what's on your heart, right? What you pray for is on your heart. And so we're seeing the heart of Jesus. What are the things that are on his heart to pray as he is almost ready to be crucified? So when you read through this passage in John 17 as a whole, what do we see is on Jesus' heart? And I think it's people, right? People are on his heart. Those closest to him are on his mind as he prays. This passage this morning doesn't contain any of those specific prayers yet. Rather, it's, it's, it's this description of the disciples. It's an, it, it describes the rela- relationships. It's this interplay between the Father, who the Father is, and the Son, and who the disciples are. So those are the three main characters, if you would say, in this passage. The Father, the Son, and the disciples. The Father is referred to 14 times in this passage, and also the Son is referred to 14 times. And guess how many times the disciples are referred to? 14. (laughs) So that's so interesting to me. And, and and, And the passage just contains these glorious truths about those three characters. Um, the charity of the Father, the divinity of the Son, and the identity of disciples. So we see the Father's charity. He possesses the disciples. He gives the disciples to Jesus out of the world. The Father gives Jesus everything, especially his words. He sends Jesus. The Father shares all things with Jesus. And this passage, we also see who Jesus is, his divinity. Jesus reveals the Father's character to the disciples. He's this divine display. Jesus receives the disciples from the Father. He has that gift. Jesus gives God's words to the disciples. He has a divine message for them. And it says Jesus came from the Father, a divine origin. He was God. Jesus also was sent by the Father, so he has this divine mission. Jesus prays for the disciples. He has a divine intercession. Jesus also shares all things with the Father. And Jesus receives glory from the disciples. He's the divine king. So that's a lot, isn't it? In just these these few verses. Um, In my first glance through, I was wrong. There is a ton here. But I think our focus really should be on those disciples, because that's Jesus' prayer here, and he's praying for them. So this passage provides us with the, uh, what I call the, the foundation, or the relational grounds, the ground of relationship, um, for his talking about the disciples, for why he's praying for them. So in other words, this section of scripture is about the who he is praying for. So when we dig further in today, 
my outline is three simple things talking about this relationship, who the disciples are. So if you look at your Bibles again, I'm going to focus our outline on verse 6, actually the second half. So Jesus prays to the Father. He says, Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So those are the three main things we see about the disciples. And the rest of the passage fills in those, those details for us. So first we'll look at yours they were. The disciples were these special possessions from the Father. Then we'll look at you gave them to me. They were a gift from the Father to the Son. And then thirdly, we'll, t- we'll think about that phrase, they have kept your words, your word. So the disciples held fast to this message, believed it, received it, and, and spread it. So first, the disciples were possessions of the Father. So it says, yours they were. And if you look at the grammar of this passage in, in the original language, you find that the, the, the emphasis is right here on this first point of, of our outline. Yours. You, Jesus prays during this prayer. Verse 9, for they, the disciples, are yours. Verse 10, all mine are yours. They are the fathers. So the main highlight of emphasis is this great possession. Jesus views the disciples that way. If you look again at verse 6, the end there, and it, you, you might see, if you notice this, the normal word order in English is switched a little bit. Just to emphasize things correctly, I think it's good. Yours they were. It sounds a little clunky to say, not normal English. It sounds like uh, you're Yoda, Master Yoda, talking. Yours they were. <laughs> so this is like the Yoda moment of the passage, right? So Jesus emphasized that there were, there were these special possessions of the Father, held by him, kept by him, their gift to him, they were his. They were selected by God to be these apostles, the, the original disciples of Jesus. One commentator says, everything is traced back to the Father. This is why Jesus viewed the disciples as this stewardship from him. They were the fathers first. Second important aspect this morning of who the disciples were, gifts to Jesus. So they were gifts to Jesus. You gave them to me. Father gave them to Jesus. And I like how the message paraphrase says it. For they were yours by right. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me. So Jesus saw it this way. They were the special treasured possessions of of God given to him to be honored and treasured, cultivated. So the Father selected them out of the unbelieving world, gave them to Jesus, and Jesus revealed the Father's name to them, who he was. So we often think of, of Jesus as God's gift to us, right? which is true. But we see here that actually the disciples are God's gift to Jesus. John 17, 2. Jesus was given all authority to grant eternal life 
to all those the Father had given him. Verse 9 of our passage, I'm not praying for the world, but for all those you have given me. And I really like verse 10 about this, this gift idea that says, all mine are yours and yours are mine. All mine are yours and yours are mine. So I think this verse has a general sense and a specific sense. The general sense is that all things belong to the Father and all things, everything belongs to Jesus. They are co-owners, co-sharers of all things. But I think verse 10 also has a more specific sense. I think it's referring to the disciples, if you look at the context. So Jesus is praying, referring to the disciples, yours are mine. Father, the disciples you gave me, they are yours. They're this gift to me. And because we share all things, the disciples are also mine. Now, um, think about that word a moment, that word mine. It's a special word if you think about it. It's a word of relationship. It's a word of commitment. It's a word of deep, abiding love, a word of possession. You are mine. So a parent might say, those kids over there, those are my kids. I love them. I'm, I'm there for them. I want them to grow. Or uh, a wife might say, there's my husband, he's mine, which means I love him, no other guy. He's my, he's my special husband, a gift of God to me. He's mine. So when you think about that, you know, you think about, wow, the, the sort of intimate word here. Now think about that in relationship here of how the father views the son, how the father and the, both the father and the son think about us. Child, you are mine, right? Both the father and the son, they love the disciples and they hold on to them. They're treasured possessions. They protect them and they keep them. And I just thought one of my favorite passages about this whole idea is John 10, 27 through 30. And this is right here in John 2, and it's about the good shepherd passage, right? Jesus is the good shepherd. And he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. No one, and they'll never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So my assignment for you this week is to take this passage, John 10, 27 through 30, and meditate upon it. Think about what it says about who you belong to and your security. And think about what it, how it relates to our passage today. It's an amazing passage about eternal life, eternal security. The disciples are the possessions of God the Father and the Good Shepherd. So think about them holding you tightly in their powerful hands and saying, you are mine. So as I was working on this sermon, I was listening to music, and one of the songs that played was a song by Sovereign Grace Music called His Forever. This is playing in the background. 
And I thought, man, these words are exactly what I want to get across in this sermon. It says, Jesus, friend of sinners, loved me ere I knew him, drew me with his cords of love, he tightly bound me to him. Around my heart still closely twined, the ties that none can sever, for I am his and he is mine, forever and forever. Jesus, friend of sinners, a crown of thorns you wore for me, bruised for my transgressions, pierced for my iniquities. The wrath of God that I deserved was poured out on the innocent. He took my place, my soul to save. Now I am his forever. Jesus, friend of sinners, I love to tell the story. Redeeming love has been my theme and will be when I'm in glory. Not death, nor life, nor anything can ever separate me. O oh, love that will not let me go, yes, I am his forever. Not death, nor life, nor anything can ever separate me. O oh, love that will not let me go, yes, I am his forever. Yes, I am his forever. That's the great love of the Father and the Son in, in grasping us in security. So the disciples belonged to the Father. They were gifts to Jesus. And then thirdly, the third point this morning that we're going to consider is they were keepers of God's word. They kept God's word. So the phrase is, they have kept your word. So when you think about John 17, it's really is, it actually really is an encouraging prayer. It's an affirming prayer that Jesus prays here. You know, Jesus didn't focus on the shortcomings of the disciples, which were many. Peter would deny Jesus three times. Thomas would, would, would doubt him. And very soon they would all scatter. But you think about this prayer, Jesus speaks really highly of his disciples, that they were a gift. And Jesus was known to be a friend of sinners, right? That's great news for us. Like the song says, Jesus, friend of sinners. So Jesus' focus was on the big picture about these guys, uh, that they were keepers of God's word. So he prayed, they've kept your word. So true, you know, the disciples did not keep every single teaching, every single command perfectly. They didn't. But the, the phrase here is, is singular, meaning... Um, they kept your, your overall message. They kept your gospel as a, as a whole. According to Jesus, the disciples are his valued gospel caretakers. They remained true to that gospel message. So take a look at verse 6 again. Verse 6, if we think about that. The beginning of the verse says, I have manifested your name to them. So the word manifested means to reveal or display or to show. And he manifested your name. So your name means God's character, his essential nature. So I have revealed your essential character, your nature to the disciples. Um, so Jesus fully revealed this, this character and nature. 
So Jesus was God in flesh, right, right before them, walking and talking with the disciples. So when they saw Jesus, when they heard him speak, when they, when they walked with him, it's like they were seeing and, and speaking to the great, the great I am. You know, think about that. His, Jesus, with his actions and his words, fully revealed who the Father was. And then Jesus said he would keep on revealing this to all of his fathers, followers later in the passage. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. So we also belong to the Father. So Jesus reveals to us who the Father is, who God is. So I want to look at verses 7 and 8 real quick, too. Verses 7 and 8, you know, this, these two verses, it, it's, it's a further description of how the disciples are keepers of God's word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So that little word there, now, refers to this point in time in redemptive history. At the end of Jesus' ministry, the disciples have come to understand that he was God, he was sent by God. Jesus had taught them everything that they needed to know, and now it was their turn to carry on the message, to pass it on. So verse 8 expands further on the the general principle of verse 7, how they became keepers of, of, of the message. So here in this verse, we see three elements of their faith, three aspects of their faith. And like, if you're a Bible underliner, <laughs> you can underline received, come to know in truth, and believed. So first they received the words that God gave Jesus and, and then passed them on. So this, this means that they listened to the words and then they accepted them. They embraced them as truth, as true revelation from God Almighty. They embraced Jesus' teachings as divine. His words were God's words. And then secondly, the disciples embraced and then came to know in truth that Jesus came from the Father. So this means that they came to understand this true spiritual reality. They really understood this truth, that that Jesus came from the Father to them. He had a divine origin. He was the Word of God made flesh right before their very eyes. And then thirdly, Jesus said that uh, they believed that you had sent me. So this means that they um, truly believe, they accepted this truth, they put their faith and trust in Jesus, that the Father sent the Son. So they demonstrated this faith, that Jesus had this divine mission. So this is a great couple of verses if you think about what what it means to be a keeper of God's word. So it's someone who um, hears Jesus' words and then embraces them, truly believes that Jesus was God, and that he was on the Father's mission. And it's not just a passive belief, it's a belief in action. 
right? So if you think about the disciples and what they went on to do, they truly believed, and then they acted upon it. They obeyed. They spent their lives spreading Jesus' teachings, right? They passed on the truth. They gave their lives for this message, to see Jesus' mission advance. So that's what it means to be a keeper of God's word, keeper of God's message. And then the the disciples eventually picked up on the fact that they were also um, going to be uniquely sent by Jesus. So Jesus was leaving very soon. He was returning to the Father, and, and it was going to be their turn to take that baton of the gospel and move it into the world. So this is, this is one more reason why Jesus has this heart to pray for these disciples. He's leaving, sending them into the world, right? And it's going to be difficult. So he's praying that they would be protected from the evil one, and they would be sanctified, they would be unified. Verse 11a, Jesus prays to the Father, I am no longer in the world, they are in the world, I'm coming to you. Verse 18, And you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. So in our series so far, Pastor Dave has been talking a lot about prayer. Like, um, this is a model prayer for us. Um, last week, if you think about last week, um, he talked about how this, this whole prayer is a, an intentional prayer. It's a model prayer to be learned and emulated, practiced in our prayer lives. And then he also said it was it was a disciple maker's prayer. So Jesus is this original disciple maker, right? And it's a disciple maker praying for those he has invested into, praying for his disciples. So what about what about us this morning? Um, are we praying for disciple making? Um, are we spiritually investing into others? Are we praying for those that we are investing spiritually into, discipling? Um, are we praying that God would, would give us some disciples to pass on the faith to? So if we pray this prayer, we might have to watch out because Jesus will probably answer it in some way because discipling is on his, his mind and heart. We can see that in this prayer. So for a while, um, I was the pastor of the young adults at Parkview, 20s and 30-somethings, for about 10 years. And there was one summer, a few years in, one summer in between one year, getting ready for the next year. And what was on my heart that summer was to pray for disciples. Um, I was praying for more men, especially, that God would send some men to for the groups, to help it out. Um, some key uh, men of our leadership team had, had moved away that summer, and I was feeling the burden to pray for more. And not just, um, not just any man, but a few men that were ready to lead, you know? And I just like, I'm going to pray for that. Well, guess what God brought that fall? He brought the men. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. He brought about five to ten guys that... They showed up at Parkview, 
in the fall, and they came to my groups right away. And they were like leader type almost. And, and some of them were, had been leaders. And they were ready to grow. They were ready to learn. And they were, ready to, they were just excited about the group. They became friends. Um, they became uh, my leaders, those that I could invest into. They invested into the group. It was just an amazing time. It's just this true answer to prayer, the simple prayer of, 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 a, of discipling. Give me some disciples. Give me some men. And God just showed up. And, and I'll always be grateful for that prayer. When I look back on that time, it was just amazing how God just answered this humble request. So I just want to give you a quick summary of, of what I think this, this passage is, is all about to help us, help us sink in. So it's the relational grounds to Jesus' intercessory requests that are coming up. The disciples first belong to the Father as his special possessions. Secondly, the disciples were a gift from the Father to the Son because, remember, they share all things. So Jesus revealed who the Father is to them so they could carry on the message. They were those keepers of God's message. They believed in Jesus, that he was from God, he was sent for a purpose, and so they glorified him. This gave Jesus great honor. And then Jesus is returning to the Father, so he's praying for them and he's sending them into the world. So here's my big idea. Just think about this little phrase. They were kept to keep. We are kept to keep. That's my sermon uh, title. So the disciples were kept by God. They were kept in, in his firm grasp. They belonged to him for the purpose to keep, to keep his message and to pass it on. Um, so this morning I've just intentionally focused on these disciples, who they were, these special apostles, and the reason is it's, just, it's, it's this prayer for them. He's describing them here. But we can, we can probably already feel like these are also general principles for us as well. We are also those, if, you, if we've believed in Christ, we've believed this message that, that Jesus is God and he was sent from God the Father, and, and he, was, he had these words for us. We've, we believe these words. Um, we've embraced this message, these teachings of Jesus, like the original disciples. And so I just have a couple phrases uh, for application for us as we think about our own lives, and I have three B words of application, and that's totally an Andrew Hancock thing. Three B words for application. I love it. We're also special possessions of the Father, so we belong. We're also keepers of God's message, so we believe. And we're also sent into the world. We, we broadcast. So we belong to the Father Almighty. We believe in the person and work of Christ, and we broadcast his gospel. We, we get it out. So when, when I study a, a passage, I, I often look at different translations. So a bunch of translations just read through in a different ways. What are the different ways in English that this passage is being described? 
And this practice really helped me in this passage, especially in verses 6 and verses 9. Remember our Yoda phrase, yours they were? Well, in the NET translation, it says, they belonged to you. So that idea really stuck with me. They belong to you. And so I often, just to get some air, I take walks in the neighborhood. And between studying, I've got to study at my home. And I get out, walk, get a little air. Um, And often I use my little walk to meditate and pray about this passage. And this phrase, they belong to you, is just in my mind. In this particular walk, I was also asking the question, is there a particular human need that this passage speaks to? So that's one question I I ask of all of my sermons, at least the sermon passages. How does this particular passage uncover a longing or a need that's in every soul that only Jesus can fill? So I was walking in the neighborhood, and I realized that as I was walking, there was a lot of flags up. A lot of flags were flying. (laughs) So some of them had the American flag up. Some of them had the Cubs flag up. That that neighbor also flies the W when there's a win. Another neighbor had the flag of Norway. Um, It's um, red with sort of this sideways cross that's blue. I had to look it up, like, what, what is that flag? It's actually the flag of Norway. And then a few others had the Hawkeye flags. They were flying the Hawk flag. And I noticed that one, there's a lot of different kinds of Hawkeye flags, but I noticed one Hawkeye flag in particular was particularly bold. So it, it looked like an American flag. It had the stars and stripes. The stripes, you know, instead of the regular colors, were black and gold. And instead of the stars, the 50 states, there was just a picture of Herky <laughs> in the middle. And I thought, we know where this neighbor's true loyalties lie, the true Hawk fan. So I was walking, and, and then all these, all these ideas just clicked together, I think, in my mind. We all long to belong, right? We all have this longing deep in our soul for belonging. So these flags represent belonging of every human soul. The American flag tells everybody in the neighborhood, I'm an American. I'm proud to be an American. I love this country. And um, the, the, the flag of Norway, I'm proud of my, my heritage, right? My family heritage. I belong to this family heritage. The, the Hawkeye flag, I'm proud to be a Hawk fan. I, I'm part of this Hawkeye nation. I cheer for the football team. But the truth is, all of these belongings will not satisfy that belonging, that need for belonging that every soul has. True, deep, lasting belonging. Some people look within for belonging. What is my true self, and how can I express that? Some people look around, like they look at the community for belonging, those that I know. How can I find my identity for belonging uh, that I see around me? But the truth is those two things, those two seeking will let us down. It's, it's only when we look 
up for belonging. Look up to God to find our true belonging. That's what this passage says. It's only when we accept these words of Jesus, you are mine, that we'll find that truest belonging. Our, our souls don't have a home until we find that home in Christ. So my final question this morning before we leave is, you know, how are, are we doing with uh, this idea of belonging? You know, some of you might feel like you don't, ha- you don't belong anywhere. And my plea would be, be, think about Christ. Think about Jesus. You might feel that belonging. And maybe you're a believer and you, you feel like maybe you're a little more just distracted. You're, you're, you're pursuing other things. You're distracted when really you know that you belong to God. And so turn your heart anew to him, to Jesus, to trust him anew today. Remember, your true belonging is in him. And maybe you feel like you just don't have any purpose. Well, God the Father gives you purpose. True belonging only comes from from God because he created each and every one of us to find our home in him, to belong to him, and to glorify him, to honor him with, with everything that we do and say. So God provides us with this purpose. He keeps us to be keepers of his word, of his gospel. That's our, our, our great purpose, to take Jesus' words, just as the disciples did, and to love them, accept them, and to spread them. So we remember, too, that we're a part of this amazing church, right? Parkview Church. So here, Parkview and Parkview North, we are a body of Christ. We also belong to each other. Every person in this room, you know, we belong to each other. We're the body of Christ together. And so we band together with this great mission to make disciples. That's, our, that's what we do. So together as Christ's body, let's, let's glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, we praise you for who you are, that you are uh, divine, this, you are on this mission, and we show, we, we see here in this passage um, what this mission was all about, that you told these disciples to be these keepers of your word, your message. And we thank you so much that we um, also are keepers of this message, that we're, we're, we're gifts and that we belong to you. We pray that these truths would sink into our hearts and our minds this week. We would find our true belonging in you, and that would just spur us towards love and action and embracing your words day in and day out. And we pray that we would glorify you as we seek to make disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.